Welcome to episode 11 of the Exposure Ninja podcast. I'm joined this week not by someone who works for Ninja, but a personal branding ninja, Adele McClay. Adele's going to talk to us about how businesses of all shapes and sizes can use personal branding to make our advertising and our messages more appealing to our target audience. So obviously this is important because it makes our advertising more effective, it makes our websites convert more, and pretty much increases the efficiency of everything that we do to promote ourselves online. Remember, if you like this episode, then head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a rating to let us know what you think. Welcome to the show, ninjas and ninjas. Now, as I said in the intro, we're joined today by Adele McClay, and we're gonna be talking about how businesses can use personal branding, both through the owner and founder's persona, but also the personas of key employees, how we can communicate these personal brands online to attract more business and to make us more appealing to our target audience. So Adele, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tim. It's just lovely to be talking to you and your community today. Fab, perhaps you could take a couple of minutes to just tell the lovely listeners about your story. Oh, gosh. All right. Where do I begin? So I'm from New Zealand and I'm living in London now. I've been here for 10 years. And uh, back in the 80s, I trained as an accountant and got into banking. I always wanted to be an investment banker. And I was involved in banking during the last global financial crisis of, of 87 that young ones actually have never heard of, I've discovered. And and really, because of that and because of the glass ceiling that, that existed at that time, I discovered that banking sadly wasn't going to be for me. So I got into consulting where I was working for a business that supported largely major corporates in New Zealand to be more successful through transforming their structures to you know, serve their purpose, if you like, and, and then doing a lot of recruitment and behind that. So I did that and then I set up my own consulting practice, uh, which I had for over 10 years. And I built that into two offices and at its peak had 20 staff. It was a very successful business. I turned it into a multi-million dollar business. I had all the trappings of success as I defined them back then. So that was in the um, 90s through to early 2000s. I had money and a million dollar house and a car and sports car and beautiful clothes and jewelry and travel and all those things. And in 2002, June 2002, I walked into a meeting where I was going to plan the future of, of the company with my team. And I stood and looked at them all and said, thank you for being here today. We're, we're planning the future of the company. I've made a big decision. In one month's time, I'm going to close the company and I'm going to make you all redundant. As you might imagine, there was silence and then there was tears and there was shock. What had happened was four months earlier, I'd given birth to a beautiful baby girl and uh, she was a long time coming. I was an older mum and uh, at that point, uh, sadly, I'd I'd already miscarried unexpectedly two earlier babies. So this little girl was a, as a treasure and I, I fell in love with her. The, the minute I met her, as, as anybody listening who's a parent will may recall, that you see this baby and your world changes and my priorities changed. And I guess the key is that I had a successful business and I was able to have choice. So it, it gave me choices and, and a freedom that I came to respect and treasure myself. So I, I walked away and I, I say this to a lot of business owners when I'm talking about this story is, you know, why are you in business? A lot of it is to have money and success, financial success and freedom. And if you haven't got that, why not? What needs to change for you to have that freedom and that lifestyle that you look for? And uh, you may have some listeners who are thinking, why did you sell it? Why, why didn't you sell it rather? 
Well, the reason for that was with the kind of business that it was, I would have to have personally worked for the new owner for two years in order to get all the, the money that would have been paid to me upon sale. And that would have defeated my purpose and and, and what I was trying to do. And that was to have some time out and have some flexibility. So I just made that decision. I didn't need to put a manager in. I didn't need to keep working. I didn't need to sell. So I didn't. But connecting into the topic that we're going to talk about, personal branding, while back then I didn't refer to that, that topic, over the following four years, because I had a good reputation personally for what I did, clients would call me back and ask me to work on projects. So I picked projects that worked for me that sounded interesting. I I made as much money over four years working part-time as I would have if I'd sold the business and stayed working for the new owner over two years. So there's the value in personal branding and and reputation, I guess. And and I didn't expect that when I walked away, but that's what happened. Okay, so because you'd built the first company around your personal brand, you were able to transition to other stuff and you didn't really notice the drop off, in fact, quite the opposite. Uh, well, of course, I noticed a drop off because I had 20 staff and then there were none. And I had a, a part time. I had a PA who worked for me part time. In fact, she now works with me in, in London here. She came across. So she's been working for me for 20 something years, as it turns out. But I was able to have the choice of how I wanted to live my life at that time. And, and other things were more important. So as well as doing some consulting work during that period from 2002 to 2006, which is when we left New Zealand, I was I was doing governance work in the charity sector and and for private businesses, I became a property investor. So I bought a lot of properties. So you know, I am a major property investor still in New Zealand and over here in the UK. But I had time and time to be a mum and, and do those other things that I wanted to do with this with brand new baby. And then we decided as a family we wanted to come to the UK. And we did that in 2006. And uh, I looked around thinking, well, what am I going to do? Our daughter was four at that time. And my stepson came with us. He was 18, I think, at the time. He went back to New Zealand to to study uh, at university and we all stayed. My husband got a great uh, role working for the Olympics, actually, a consulting role, which he'd wanted to do. And I just decided to take a portfolio career for a while, um, built up a property portfolio, then got very involved in in the small business market. I I had touched on it in New Zealand. Most of my work was with big corporates in New Zealand, with it touching on the small business market and and the charity sector, which are often smaller businesses. But then I got very involved in the small business sector here. And for most of the time I've been here, I've worked with small businesses, coaching, mentoring them and writing books. and, And from next year, from 2017, I'm going to start investing in, in businesses. So, so doing angel investing and sweat equity type investing in certain sectors that are particularly interesting to me. Plus, you know, I have some other businesses that I'm establishing myself as well, continuing to write and keynote speech and all those other things that I do. That's awesome. So a very varied career. But I guess the thing that links all of it is that you've always, whatever you're doing, it's based around you and your personal brand. As digital marketing ninjas, we love clicks and text ads and data and analytics. How can businesses use personal branding and how important is personal branding when we're talking about things like websites and social media and adverts? Well, it's just one part of it. My view is if you don't stand out and get noticed on a whole range of platforms, you don't actually have a business because no, you're just going to be a nothing. Um, And unless if you're using the clicks and and website analogy, you have to be on page one. 
and you're going to be on page one of, of Google or any other search engine with other businesses. And if people do take the time to click through three or four links in whatever niche you're in, if you're not standing out on that website, they're just going to move on to the next ones. In all the areas that we are now found, both online and offline, be it your company, so your company brand or your human personal brand, you have to stand out. Otherwise, you've got nothing. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's talk a bit about how people develop their personal brand. I imagine that most people, when they think of personal branding, think of, you know, Richard Branson, who's got, you know, the charisma and the balloons, or they think of Donald Trump, who's got the hair and the United (laughs) States. And now the presidency. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So how can us, you know, regular business owners tap into that sort of magic, even if we're not as maybe as charismatic as these as these huge personal brands? It's not so much about being charismatic, actually. It's about being you. I have this this system that I teach, which I've written about in my book called the seven plus one P's of personal branding. And one of the key P's is personalization. And that's really how you connect in with people, being real, being you. If, if you're not a Trump personality, you don't want to fake it because people will see through it. If you're a, a boring accountant, for instance, be the boring accountant and play that up. I mean, I do know someone who trades as, you know, I am the most boring accountant you're ever going to meet. And he plays on that. And people like it because actually that's almost what you want in your accountant. You wouldn't want a Trump personality in your accountant necessarily, would you? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, You wouldn't necessarily want a Richard Branson personality in your accountant. So, you know, you've got to think about, uh, you know, who you are. I mean, I'm, I'm in public. I'm a fairly outgoing, vibrant person, but but I also have another side to me. I like lots of quiet time and time to myself, so I have that downtime. But who who are you when you're in the public domain? And what's your story? What's what's your voice? So you can hear my voice in the public domain, but at home I'm, I'm quite quiet. So who are you in that space? What's your style? So Richard Branson, as you've mentioned, he has his own style. He's the ultimate entrepreneur, they say, he doesn't wear ties unless he has to go to Wimbledon or special weddings or visit the Queen. That's the only time he wears a tie. And if anybody turns up in his office with a tie, he chops them off. And, you know, he's got into trouble doing that, actually. Then you've got, say, my friend Derry Llewellyn Davies, who may well be known by your community. He's called the Strategy Man here in the UK. And he's got a real distinctive look. He wears two to three piece, very bespoke suits with a, you know, a very distinguished look about them. And he's also known as the strategy man. So that's part of his tagline. He owns the URL for that. So you can create this persona, this personalization, so people get to know you and it doesn't have to be larger than life. It's just, you know, who it is that you are. are. And I can give you many, many examples of people who have created really strong personas and really let their personality come out. And they're just regular people. And the key thing is that in building our brand, unlike Trump or or Richard Branson, most business owners are not trying to appeal to a global audience or a a national audience. And and, uh, they're trying to uh, appeal to a particular niche. And, and so long as you remember that, that, that you're just wanting to you know, show yourself and brand yourself in your niche, and it could be incredibly niche, so very narrowly niched, which, which the internet and the world that we live in enables us to do, or it could be a bit broader than that, or you know, 
say let's say you're a plumber it might be that you just want to work in the borough of Bromley in the in London for instance and so you build your brand in that borough or if you have a bigger company it might be that you want to build your brand in London or if you've got a bigger one still you might want to build it in the UK and if you've got something bigger or online you want to build it around the world it's really dependent on what it is you want to do in business as to how you build your personal brand but being real being personal and being honest with yourself because if, if you fake it people will see it yeah I completely agree okay so I can see how the personal brand thing would work for someone who's like a one-man band or a solopreneur. What about a a larger company, for example, an e-commerce site or a company that has lots more employees? Does the personal brand always have to be about the owner or the founder of the of the company? Absolutely not. So if you think about it, a business, a company, a company name wants to be recognized as the expert company in that space that they occupy. They want to be known as the best lawyers or or the best website developers or the best whatever's, whatever, however sexy or boring the company is. But people buy from people. They don't always buy the brand. And if you've got people, particularly salespeople, customer-facing people who are out there acting as your front of house, building the business, business development people, and you, the owner, are not one of those, you might be the MD sitting behind the scenes, then you must enable those people to build their personal brand and to be recognized as the experts in this niche that you fulfill in order that they can drag in business. Because if they're not standing up as the experts in a networking event, for instance, there'll be loads, potentially loads of other people doing the same kind of of thing as, as you. And if your people are not standing out, there'll be somebody else who is and they'll be getting the business. So Regardless of the size of the business, I encourage my clients, business owners, to really support their key people to have very strong personal brands. And and I often get the pushback, yeah, but what if they leave and, and they take the customers with them? Well, that's always a risk. But regardless, that is a risk. It's just called doing business. And sometimes your employees are going to outgrow the business. And that's okay because if you've given them a great experience, a great journey in their learning up until that point, then hopefully they'll thank you and they'll leave kindly and appropriately and respectfully and not take the clients with you. But if if as well as um, that you've built a strong business brand, so the brand of your company, if they do leave, that people will be loyal to your company not not necessarily just that human. So, uh, yeah, you've got to do it. And and when I my business that McLean Company, the one I described earlier, it was the same. All of my team had really strong reputations because they were out there generating the business. It wasn't just me. I, I was a prolific business generator, but key other people were as well. And if I didn't have them, we wouldn't have had a multi million dollar business. And yes, some of those people left uh, and did other things. Some not they actually didn't do competing things. They did next step in their career things. But we never lost the clients because behind those people was a strong company with a strong business model with strong systems and processes that the clients were buying into as well as the human that they happen to be working with. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess you can't try and you can't try and keep your key people down just to prevent them from leaving, can you? Because, no. you know, that that's not necessarily going to keep them either, is it? You, you've got to you've got to encourage them and you've got to help them grow. Absolutely. And Kevin Roberts, who until earlier this year was the global executive chairman of Saatchi and Saatchi, and unfortunately he left under a bit of a cloud with some slightly inappropriate comments he made. He's actually a really good guy. I know him personally. And he talked about 
his people leaving eight times and coming back nine times. So if you're creating an organization that is is growing and vibrant, your team may need to go off to get new experience. But if they've had a great experience with your business, it might be that they can circle back one day and come back in, in, into a different role, a more senior role. I mean, that's not always going to happen if it's a small business, but you just never know. And and I think as owners and, and business people, we have to grow our people. It's the people who help our businesses to be successful. And we need to support those people to grow in their career and to achieve the goals that they have for their careers and their lives. And if we don't, we're doing them a disservice. And I think we are remiss as business owners and managers. Yeah, well, I completely. I guess also if you become known as as a, a company which helps your employees to grow and builds them brands, then you're also going to attract other people who who kind of want to use you as a platform or a stepping stone or whatever, which is which is good for everyone, really. Oh, absolutely. And you just look at some well-known brands in this country. So Virgin, people love working for Virgin. It's got a strong brand. It stands for something really strong values as, as a company. And those values are probably Richard Branson's values, actually, as the founder, and that they permeate through the business. Some online brands, Facebook, people love working for Facebook, as far as I can see google the same google massive pull yeah massive pull and and it might be there are times where people have to leave google to get the next experience that they need to grow their career but if they've had an amazing experience they can come back and and go to the next level and and you know we need to do that as employers and enable those people to grow and not be afraid of allowing those people to have their own websites and and be seen out there as as the experts and to build their their personal brand knowing that they could well be poached one day you know my stepson actually is in exactly the same situation he works in the city of london and in the finance sector came to london didn't know a soul i mean we all came to london didn't know a soul and now he's man in demand He's just worked really, really hard and his com- the company he works for is growing him and growing him and growing him and growing him and they keep growing him and they know that he's they're at risk of losing him because he, you know, they've allowed him to, to build his personal brand. And he's done well for the company and they keep rewarding him for that. But one day he's going to outgrow that company and he's going to need to go off in order to expand his horizons to achieve the goals that, that he wants. They keep tempting him in the meantime and he's incredibly loyal right now. But one day that, that's going to happen for him and he will do it really respectfully he's not the kind of guy that's going to want to try and steal all the clients and, and take them with him he's he's too respectful of the opportunities that that company has given him as he arrived in london knowing no one and, and wanting to make his mark mm. okay so let's say that we want to build the the, the personal brands of, of our team of our ninjas how do we do this day to day give them space on the blog get them recording videos you know how how can we how can we give them a platform so if you've got, you know, say, Mike Smith and and Mike is targeting a certain type of industry to, to bring that industry into your business as a client, then you'll be very clear what Mike's targeting and therefore how Mike is branding himself to be seen as the expert in that particular niche with that industry. So that's we, we talked earlier about personalization. So, you know, let Mike be real and, and be seen and be himself. And the next thing is platforms. So that leads into what you talked about. And the question is, for the niche that you want Mike to bring business in from, where are those customers? Where are they going to find you? Where are you going to find them? So that determines what platforms you want to be found upon. On So clearly, Mike should have a LinkedIn profile. And I mean, you're the experts in this area, Tim, but you know, search word optimized and hashtags and all that kind of stuff that we need to do, stuff it full correctly. 
Mike should have his own personal website. Why not? Mike should also be perhaps even have his own page on your on your company website, so you can optimize that for SEO and and other keywords. Uh, yes. It might be that um, Mike should write or have written on his behalf blogs because you know, your salespeople and your front of house people might not be the best writers, but there are plenty of ways in which you can get stuff written looking like it's been attributed to, to your key people. And what other platforms should should he be on? Maybe networking. You know, It really depends on your business as to what platforms. Uh, you, you mentioned YouTube. Absolutely. I mean, you're the experts in this area, but we all know that YouTube's the way to go. And it might be that Mike might not be the technical expert at what it is that your business does, but that your business might feel it's appropriate to be demonstrating what you do. So Mike could be narrating it, for instance, and and learning a bit about the technical process and having the technicians do it and and Mike standing on video just narrating bits of it to be seen as the expert by association. So, But then again, if Mike is the expert, then get Mike doing videos that, again, depending on the size of your business, you can get help in doing or if your business is very small, you just – do them as best you can. We we aim for excellence, not perfection. I'm a reform, <laughs> I'm a reforming perfectionist, so I you know I accept mistakes. We all accept mistakes. We're looking for the human side. So yeah, that's what platforms means. And the other thing, excuse me, is uh, if if you're building an email community to as, as you bring potential customers into your your funnel. Is there a way in which Mike can be communicating with them? So signed off by Mike, looking like the blogs are going out or the opt-ins that Mike could give or or any other person that you've got in your business. I'm just using Mike as the example. So what free things can you be sending out that are coming from Mike in that niche to your, your, your customers, your potential customers to continue to build him as the expert in, in that area? So that requires activity behind the scene. I mean, that's your area of business, Tim. That's where you can help your clients that if they are looking to build the brands of their individual staff, it's how they can support that behind the scenes with stuff going out to those potential customers from those people who, whose brands they're looking to build. And then, of course, there's partnerships. That's the um, another P. So how can your business and your key people within it form partnerships with other people and businesses that are complementary to your own. So it might be that that you're serving the same customers, but you do different things. So for instance, like let's just say you're a building company and, and you do all the building, but that you build partnerships with an, a major electrical company or a major plumbing company or a major roofing company. How can you all work together to get to know each other, support each other so that you're growing each other's business and, and recognizing each other and the people within it as the experts? So there's sort of some of the, the, the P's that are relevant to that point that you, you asked. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. So uh, one of the things I've always wondered about personal branding is, we're talking about building Mike's brand. How do we know that Mike's personal brand is going to be appealing to people? Do we try and shape it at all? Or do we just say, hey, Mike, just go and do whatever you want. Just say whatever you want. How much control do we have? How much do we look at our target audience and say, I think that this particular persona is going to work with them? You will be bringing Mike into your business because Mike feels right for your business. So that become that's a recruitment conversation to start with. So Mike has to fit the values, the purpose, the feel 
of your company. So going back to some of our early examples, if um, if Donald Trump was looking for a job, <laughs> he would not suit the culture of my business, for instance, or anybody, <laughs> any kind of personality like that would not suit my business. So I wouldn't be recruiting someone like that. So you, you have to go back to the recruitment process and you recruit people that fit style of your business. And if you're meant to be, I take the view, if you know how to recruit or you get support to recruit and you are meant to be recruiting at that time, it actually becomes an easy process. I found this time and time again. And when you're really clear about what you're looking for and you get support if you're not that experienced in doing it, and it's really important to get support because recruitment is a really critical part of what you do, then it actually becomes quite easy. You know the right person. It's really just being clear around what your company stands for who your target audience is and in general what they're like and what they stand for and mirroring that making them feel comfortable okay so i guess the important thing there is to know your company's brand while you're going into the hiring process and then you're just looking for people that match awesome when we come back after the break adele's going to help us refine that company brand to be more attractive to our target audience interested in learning more about digital marketing and want to access the latest ninja strategies? The Exposure Ninja blog is where we share some of our coolest stuff. So if you want to see behind the scenes of some real life marketing campaigns, find out what's working for us on the front line and keep up to date with the latest in digital marketing, head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash blog. We update it regularly, at least twice a week. So if you want to learn more about websites, SEO, pay-per-click, social, Facebook ads, or anything else digital marketing, then head over and subscribe at ExposureNinja.com forward slash blog. All right, welcome back, everyone. Now, Adele, we've spoken about personal branding and how we can promote ourselves individually online. But when people think about company brands, they tend to just think of the really superficial stuff. So the color schemes, the logos, that imagery that's used in ads and stuff like that. Can our businesses also have this more personal personality thing? or a kind of personal brand that's adapted for a larger company? Yes, to the first piece of what you just said. And you just think of brands that we recognize. I've already used Virgin. Virgin as a brand has a very strong personality. Facebook does, Google does. There are many companies that have personalities. Even if you look at the ads you see on TV, say Halifax, a banking organization, they have a brand with the types of ads they certainly used to do. I haven't actually seen them recently, but you just look at the way certain companies advertise. Churchill, another with the dog thing for, I'm assuming a lot of your audience might be the UK. I figure me if I'm wrong in that. They are, they've created brands and, and that's really important to have personality around your business brand because again, it comes back to how we get found these days. And if we are found by referral, for instance, someone says, oh, you must go to Halifax, they're a great bank. Well, the chances are, if we haven't heard of Halifax, we're going to go online and look up Halifax. And if that looks boring, because remembering it's going to come up with a whole heap of other bank names, that looks boring. Someone's just going to click on the next one and the next one, the next one to find something that looks more interesting. So it's the same with, with small business. How can you stand out in what is a cluttered market? What anybody listening to this, they will be in a cluttered market. And how are they going to be standing out and noticed as being a little bit different in order to have someone go from that initial click on Google to, 
Oh, actually, I will do a little bit more searching around this website rather than going on to, to the next click on Google. I must be into my stars at the moment because I talk about the brand star system and it's a four star, four prong star thing for, for branding. And I have to confess, I'm not branding expert for companies, but I coach the overview of this. And if someone wanted to really rebrand themselves, then I would recommend they go to a proper company branding specialist. But the things that you need to be thinking about are your brand promise. So who are you in business? And it, it comes down to these things that you're applying in your personal brand. Who are you in business? Who do you serve? What are the customers that you're looking for? What is your niche? What is special about you? What's your value proposition to that that niche? What are you promising that you are going to deliver that's going to stand you out in the market? So you've got to get, what are your values? Uh, all these things that to help you clarify who it is you are and, and what you're doing out there. The next thing is what I call brand unique. And it's some of those things that you talked about. It's the color scheme. It's the logo. It's the the way in which you image yourself. So Churchill and the dog. And you know, you know, there are millions of other examples. That's just imagery. And it's important. But that is not what branding is. It's a tiny subset of branding. The, the bigger thing is the promise and, and understanding what it is that you deliver to your customer. Then I talk about for small businesses, brand you. So that's how it connects into your the branding of your individuals and in, in your businesses. And then the final one is brand love. And if you're doing all those things really well, how are you going to create brand love? How are you going to get your customers recommending you above any other companies that are out there so apple you know iphones i mean there is so much brand love for that uh, that that brand i don't personally get it i'm not an apple fan for anything but all of my family and most of my friends have apple phones of some description and they just think i'm a pariah because i go samsung and i just don't i just don't get it i don't get it i don't buy into it but clearly they're doing something right and so they've created stories and, and real love. So any business can do that, however big or small it is, t- so that when your company name is thought about, there's this sense of loyalty or adoration that you know your customers are going to come back time and time again because you, you've got that brand promise right and you deliver on it. You, you're you unique. There's something about you that's slightly distinctive and trustworthy and, and all that. And the people in, in the company are consistent with with the brand as well and you get all that right then you'll get you'll get brand love you'll get loyalty you'll get repeat business which is much better business to have it's hard constantly looking for new clients when you get them you want to keep them and hopefully you'll get lots of referral business too okay so it sounds like at least the first impression of of that people get of our business a lot of the communication of our brand message is about who we serve and what makes us different do you feel like sometimes smaller businesses are a little bit wary of qualifying their audience too much because they don't want to disqualify people. It can be a little bit scary to say, do you know what, we're niche, we do a really good job for this section of customers because they're worried that they're going to lose the broader range of customers. That's a slightly tricky question to answer for me. I know there are lots of people out there that say niche, 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 and they ask you to niche really narrowly because they say, if you're not clear on who you're serving and if you're trying to serve everybody, you end up serving nobody. And I, I get that point. I also understand and have seen people na- niching so narrowly that the market is not deep enough. There's not enough money in it. So you're not going to make money for that reason. 
it comes back to business strategy. So if we're talking to people today who are new in business or not even in business, it's going back to what is your business strategy and what is your business model? What is it that you do? Why do you do it? Who do you serve? Is that what are the problems of that market that you are serving and solving the problems of? Are there enough problems in that market? It's like, I, are they deep enough or enough of, are there enough problems, enough customers for you to make a business out of it? And if there is, are they going to pay the kind of money that you need to receive in order that you can turn this into a business? And if you cannot answer yes to all of those questions, you have not got a business. You have not got a sustainable business. You've got a hobby. And hobbies are fine. Just don't try and make a business out of it. We have to be really clear about what the problem is that we are solving and is that market deep enough? And if it's not deep enough, still do that. But can we widen the niche a little bit more in order to find depth? And if we can't, then can you widen it a little bit more without trying to be everything to everybody? And if you can't do that, then maybe there's not a business in there. One of the angles that we've seen some companies be really successful with is if there's a what most of their competitors are treating as a broad market. So let's say website design, for example. Website design is a broad market. Loads of, you've got e-commerce, you've got service, whatever. But you can you can create little niches within that, can't you? So you can still get the benefit of the niche and the benefit of a strong personal brand, but without disqualifying you know huge swathes of business which are actually a really good match for. So using that as an example, you make websites. It might be that you're particularly good in making websites for restaurants. And so you can have landing pages and and all sorts of other pages that demonstrate how good you are around making amazing websites for restaurants. And you can SEO, SEO, SEO that and have people that are focused on that part of the business. You might also be really good at making websites for funeral homes, for example, complete other extreme. And, and there's a market there too. So you can niche in that area. What you don't want to be doing is, um, is writing a communication to the restaurant market and the, and the funeral home market at the same time, trying to have one communication that suits both those markets because you've got one that's quite happy and, and it's about entertainment and you've got the other one that's desperately sad. The, the messages will be mixed and, and you'll be lost in the middle and you'll get nothing. So this is what I mean about you, you can be broader in your niche, you have to be very careful about the communications that you use and you would have to have different systems behind the scenes to communicate. So you can't just use one email system, for instance. So you'll have to tag it in certain ways or have different systems in order that you have the right messaging going to the funeral industry and, and a different type of message going out to the restaurant industry. And 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 therefore, you know, you, you can do that. One of the most challenging things that we come up against if we're trying to if we're trying to generate leads for businesses if if that business is really really dry and boring so you know anything industrial you know b2b manufacturing say they're making screws or they're making ball bearings something like that is it possible to use personal branding in that situation or do we just have to give up and say hey do you know what this is a pure commodity it's a pure commodity but can't we have fun and make yeah, like I mentioned earlier, the accountant who's the most boring person on he he trades on it. He's the most boring person person on earth, he says. And so he's making fun of the boringness, if you like, of what he does. So if you if you're working for someone that makes screws, can't we 
have a bit of fun and create and get them thinking about how they can make this really boring industry a bit fun and create videos around models that you can make with the screws or dumb things that you can do with screws just to give the business personality because people will be drawn to that because it stands out. It's silly. They'll look forward to, I don't know, making a dart out of a screw and firing it at a dartboard or having people playing cricket and and hitting the screws around the office. I don't know. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, creating some personality that, yeah, we might make a really tedious product, but hey, we have a bit of fun around here. We've got personality, our company. And if you're looking for screws of, you know, whatever it is that we're making, you need to talk to us because we're kind of good fun. That's how you create personality in in the most boring of, of things. It's just thinking outside the box. And people, because it can be visual, you put these videos up and they can just be homemade, you know, silly things. Uh, people will look forward to them and they'll think, what's the next installment? What are they going to do next? And you'll be remembered. So when someone needs screws, even if it is B2B, they'll think, oh, we've got to go to ABC company. They're so funny with their videos and they make good products. You know, that's what you've got to do. We have to. That's It's all about standing out these days because otherwise, you're going to have a really boring website and you're going to have images of a re- really boring screws and prices underneath them and how many millions you can buy if you're selling to the B2B market. And I mean, really, it's just so dull. Let's, let's have a fun video on there of all the staff, you know, having fun with the videos and you know, come to our YouTube page and see what we can do with screws. You know. um, just much more interesting. As, a, as an example, I'm quite creative. I'm, I, I just think we've got to have a bit of fun. Life is too short. And we can be really serious about business and having a really sustainably, profitably successful business. And we have to be creative in, in doing that in order to stand out, to get noticed. A company, generally these these quote unquote boring companies will really struggle on, on for example, social media coming up with posts that are actually interesting. We, we often say to them like, just because your product is boring and you might be selling to people who also are in a boring market, if you're the procurement manager for some really boring company, it doesn't mean that you're a boring person. You still like to be entertained. So if your social feed is actually interesting, you're going to be a ray of sunshine in that miserable, dull market. Totally. Really stand you apart, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. So you know, anybody listening to this, have you got what you consider to be a really boring product? How can you sex it up? How can you make it fun and give people a laugh? And I'm just trying to think of off the top of my head examples. And I, I don't watch much TV, so I'm struggling to come up with ads. But there's bound to be ads on TV that have turned quite boring things into things that are quite funny. And you just got to be creative. And if you can afford it, get some creative people to well, perhaps actually get the youngest people on your team, whether they're the cleaner or the receptionist or, or you know, a technical person say, right, let, what's the most creative and silly thing that we can do with this to have a bit of fun with these products that we sell and explain to them what they're doing? Because it's the young people that are looking at these videos as well and laughing at rubbish, really. Uh, but it, But you become memorable. And so long as you're not outrageous and and extreme but you're just having fun in order to stand out then why not yeah and it's, it's also okay to get some help if people are struggling to come up with an idea i remember i met with uh, chris stoikos who's the founder of dollar beer club and they grew a 10 million dollar business in one year through these freaking ridiculous videos that they made to sell their little beard oil things and that guy, the way he thinks, he can, people, you know, there are accountants in the room and saying, you know, what would you come up with? And he just come up with these ridiculous ideas for these hilarious videos and people would be laughing just at the idea. So 
if you're not the creative type, there are people out there who can help you turn your business in something. Oh funny. yeah, you don't want to get an accountant to come and help you out to be creative to grow your business. Yeah, they work the numbers. They can show you how well you've done. I mean, they, I I am a chartered accountant by profession, so I'm allowed to to make fun of accountants because I am one. No one believes it, but you wouldn't actually want me doing your books because I'd be rubbish at it. But I understand the numbers. That's the bit that I'm good at. I understand the numbers, and I can see successful businesses and failing businesses. But that's what life is all about. We want to be entertained these days we want to stand out and all the media that we're engaging with youtube instagram snapchat for the the younger group i I don't particularly do instagram myself i sorry i don't do snapchat myself but it's all visual we want that we want that stimulation so that's just the way we've got to go in terms of marketing ourselves and you can and you can put those types of things on LinkedIn on your, on your company profiles on LinkedIn you can put those types of images in in, uh, in your employees uh, feeds on on LinkedIn it's it's all becoming very interactive and that's how you get to stand out if people are lo- doing a search on LinkedIn for a manufacturer of certain type of screws and they see a couple of people and they click on them and they see these amazing videos you're going to stand out more than your competitor I can promise you yeah yeah that's that's so true Adele this has been absolutely fantastic I think uh, I think people get a lot out of this it's been really really interesting and I think particularly the stuff about how we can build the brands of our of our staff is just it's something I haven't really heard people talk about so thank you so much for joining us um, is there anything you can tell people about where they where they might want to find you or where they might want to read a bit more about you <laughs> Uh, well, oh, thank you so much, Tim. Uh, if if your community is resonating with uh, what I'm talking about and, and the way I talk about it, then I have recently published a book called Branded You, and it's about personal branding. And if this topic is new and they're uncertain of it, you can go to adelmcclay.com forward slash branded you. And in doing that, you will be given um, the opportunity to download uh, several chapters of that book. So it'll give you a feeling for what branding is all about. And should you like what you're reading, then that book is available on all the major portals, uh, Amazon and all the others around the world um, to, to purchase for you know whatever the price is. It's pretty cheap. And, and that's that talks about my seven plus one P's of personal branding success. And, and that's my personal brand star system. And people say to me, why'd you call it a star system? And I liken it to the uh, the stars that are on the pavement in, in Hollywood, recognizing actors and others associated with that industry who are top of their game. And that's what I want you to be, is recognized as the expert and at the top of the game in what it is that you do as, as the individual who is the go-to person, the person who stands out from the crowd uh, in the industry that you're in and, and in the community that you serve. So that's why I called it the personal brand star system. Perfect. Well, I'm sure everyone's going to go and check out Branded You and download it. You don't even need to go and get the trial chapters. Just go and get it from Amazon. It's a really, really good book. I also have to comment on how well formatted it is inside. I think it's been typeset beautifully, Adele Meyer. My books are much more rough and ready. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I don't know if I told you, but I created a, a publishing company. That's one of my businesses. And that book is published under my brand, Small Business Huge Success, which is um, a collaborative brand working with a lot of experts to 
do what it says on the tin. It helps small business to be hugely successful. And my first book, um, which is not that one, my first book was Big Profits. That was such a mission to, because I was learning the industry and this time it was a lot easier and we've refined the, the internal of it. So thank you for that comment. I really appreciate it because the book is quite new out as we record this and um, I haven't had huge amounts of feedback yet. So it's really good to know that we're on the right tracks. We spent a lot of time thinking about that. And that's the whole idea of it, to have lots of um, white spaces and make it easy for people so when they flick through it they think oh actually I can read this this doesn't look too hard to read and it's not fat it's only about 240 250 pages so it's 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 readable so that people buy it and read it and then most importantly do the work implement it perfect for entrepreneurs with scatty minds and short attention spans thank you so much Adele and thank you to everyone for listening if you've enjoyed this episode then don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a review and subscribe and then you can go to exposioninjet.com forward slash giveaway to win an iPad for your troubles thank you everyone and I'll talk to you next week